0: Well good morning church. How y'all doing this morning? Are you good? Come on. Well I know it's good to see you this morning and look if you're a guest with us whether that's in-house or online man I'd like to welcome you. I am Pastor Keith and I'm excited that you all have decided to join us uh, today. Amen. Did you guys come ready for a word this morning? I believe God has a word for us. And I'm excited to share it. You know, it was funny. I was having a conversation with someone the other day and um, after last week's services and this person, right, they, they didn't attend um, in the, in-house, in right? They viewed online, which is, which is great. It's a great alternative. Uh, but I will say, if you can get here, get here uh, in Jesus' name. But, but they were viewing online and they, they, they said this to me. They said, man, pastor, I tell you, the Holy Spirit permeated our home in a way that I never thought possible, that the presence of God flooded their hearts right where they were and and they said, "Man, our family will never be the same since that encounter with Jesus. How awesome is that man, I love that because that says, even when we can't see it, he's working right and man, God is not confined though to a building or to bricks or a place but but rather whoever's heart is set on him he will he will come in touch and and man encounter them and so yeah, awesome but I will say this, man, look, if God is doing something in you, when he's doing something in you, let us know, uh, because we are overcomers by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So we love testimonies in here. And if you're online, man, put it in the chat or email us. If you're here, man, let us know. Uh, because I'm telling you, there's so much negativity going on all around us all the time, on all the different platforms, whether that's Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, whatever, whatever else there is out there, there's a bunch of them. But, there's a lot of negativity on there. And so as believers, we can counteract all the negativity by sharing the good news of what, what Jesus is doing in us and through us. And, and so, man, look, people, people need to hear that more now than, than ever uh, because of, of the times that we're living in. But anyway, amen, amen. So look, last week, I preached a message titled, Follow Him Well, right? And I, and I made the statement should have never made this statement. I made the statement would be the last message in this series. I'm going to have to tell you, psych, like, (laughs) pull an okey-doke on you. Uh, Praise the Lord. I promise you I wasn't trying to lie to you. I really felt like that was was it, Uh, but now we got, well, I'm not even going to say one more. I have no idea, to be honest with you. Like, I think this may be the last message in this series, and and we'll be, be moving on here to the, next, to the next thing. But I really felt like the Lord said to me this. I felt like he said, I don't want you to end the series talking about what the gospel isn't. I want you to end it talking about what the gospel is. Not what it isn't, but what it is. I think actually the church has not done a very good job at telling who they are for instead of what they've done is told who they are against. And so I really, really feel like, look, it's important to, to know what the gospel isn't, but it's, it's even more important, I think, to, to know what the gospel is. But I, but I tried to get ahead of the Lord um, in that. And to be honest with you, there's a, a very big struggle of mine, just to be very transparent, man. I don't like to slow down. I like to get moving. I like to speed up, if, if anything. And so the scripture that says, be still and know I am God, is a cruel and unusual punishment for me because I'm like, God, I'm trying to go somewhere different than here. Well, where are you going? I don't know. It's just somewhere, really. When I'm in a car, it is scary. Um, the, the running joke is, if, if somebody's not saved, put them in Pastor Key's car. They will give their life to Jesus in a moment. <laughs> They're scared to death. Like, why are you doing I, Never mind. I won't say the number. <clears throat> I'm, I'm a law-abiding citizen, so... Now, I know none of you deal with this, right? Like you guys are all patient saints and, and you're like, God, I'm cool. I'll wait on you no matter how long it takes. I get it. I'll stand alone in this one all by myself. But, but it is a real struggle to, to wait. But, but man, I love it because God is patient even when I'm impatient. He really is. I love how he is, he's slow to anger and he's abounding in steadfast love towards us constantly. And, and it's an amazing thing. To me, And so at times when I feel like it's time for us to move on, he will graciously remind me and slow me down. And say, so, no, no, no. I need you to be where I want you to be, not where you think you need to be. Sometimes those things don't line up all the time. I wish it did, uh, but not all the times it does, but the Holy Spirit is good. And so he stopped me and said, we will speak. Well, hopefully maybe one more message um, in this series, Signs of the Times. And The title of today's message is, can we put it up there? Power of love. Come on, say that with me. Power of love. Now look at your neighbor and just point in their face. Say, you are loved. Say, you are loved. Now look at your other neighbor. You're obvious by what you did. It's your second choice. Look at them and say, this is how I feel. You're sort of loved. like this. (laughs) I'm obviously kidding. Some of you enjoyed that way too much. Um, No, but. The power, the power of love. You see, during this series, Signs of the Times, we have done exactly what it sounds like we've done, right? We, we went through all the different signs that the scripture warns us about and foretells us about. And when we're talking about the signs of the times, we're talking about the end times. What are the signs that the end is to come, right? Because Jesus tells us, beware of these things. Look for these things, watch for them, And so this is what we've been doing. And we went through 2 Timothy chapter three. We went to Acts chapter two, verse 17. We went to Luke chapter 21 and Matthew chapter 24. Just making sure that we know what to be looking for and what we need to, to realize is taking place in the times that we, that we live in so that the signs of the times don't surprise us and doesn't catch us off guard, but rather we, we know what to look for. But while we've been going through the signs of the times, we also at the same time have been talking about how we need to to remain being like Christ even in the midst of crazy times, right? Because here's the truth of it. Here's the truth. Just because we're dealing with an ungodly time, it doesn't give us the right to act ungodly. That's not it all. It don't, it don't matter what's happening around us. God lives and moves and breathes on the inside of us. So for us, we can't act ungodly. We gotta show God in the midst of the ungodly times. And, and so this is what we've been doing, right? This has been the intention of this series, Signs of the Times. And then last week, I, I, I preached a message that we talked more about what the gospel isn't which by the way is important because Jesus warns against it, right? He warns against it, watch out for false teachers and watch out for false prophets and false teachings. Be be aware of them because in the end times, you will see a lot of them come to pass. And so it's really important to know what the gospel isn't, but but I really feel like it's even more important to know what the gospel is and what the driving force is behind the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what I felt like the Lord told me to share with you guys today. And so I hope that's okay. If it's not, come back next week. We'll have a different <laughs> message. <clears throat> or maybe God will have me speak the same thing. I don't know. But. No, but in Luke chapter 21 and in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus rattles off all the different signs of the times. And we've read them quite a few times during this series. I'm not gonna read them again. But he rattles them off. And right after he rattles all them off, what we are to be looking for, he makes this one statement. He says, all these things, all these things must happen. All of them must happen. Now I have to admit, man, I've contemplated that one statement more than I have contemplated or thought about all the signs of the times, all put together. Like I read them, I get it study what they mean, what the Bible's saying. But, but man, I've contemplated all these things must happen. And here's why I've contemplated it so much. Because to me, I'm like, why? I think that's a great question. Like why, why do all these things have to happen? I mean, you're the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You decide what happens and when it happens and how it happens, you, you decide all that. So, so why do all these things have, have to happen? Because Lord, you could just, boom, the end is here, it's gone, right? trumpet sounds, we're taken into the clouds with him into glory, right? In a twinkling of an eye, our bodies are completely changed and they're whole and, and all those things that we get to walk on streets of gold. The thing that we're pursuing here, we walk on up there, right? And so God, you could, you could do that right now. Why not? Why not? Let's, let's just do that. Come and get us. And that's always what I'm asking him, why? And so we've been going through this, me and him, over these past several weeks during, during this, this series. And, and he finally I felt like you finally answered me. And he said, because of love. All these things must happen because of love. I got to admit, I was like Tim, the to Toolman man, Taylor. I was like, huh? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, huh? Because I mean, that made no sense to me. You're like, what are you talking about? Like, this is tough stuff, man. There's pestilence and great storms and, and all these crazy things happening, God. What do, you, what do you mean? It has to be done for love. See, the one thing that that we have to realize is everything in God's word. Everything God says, everything God does is out of love. Everything he says, everything he does, it's all said and done out of of love. Because the Bible is clear, God is love love. He doesn't just do love. He doesn't just speak in a loving manner. He just doesn't act lovingly at times when he has a good day, like some of us, praise the Lord. That's not what he does. He is love, the very essence of his being. Everything that comes out of him is from a place of, of love, period, period. And so it's important for us to know that so that we read this book, The Word of God as a 66 book love letter that God himself has written to his people. See, the Bible says that every single word breathed, every scripture written is breathed by God, spoken to man from God to write to us. So it's God himself writing this to us. Why? To display his love for us. This is what the gospel is. It's love. It's love, and and I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Here's the truth: the gospel can never get old to us. His love for us should never, never get old, old to us ever. You know, it's funny because I'm speaking to myself when I say all that. By the way, maybe you don't do this, but every single week I'm praying really hard. God, give me. a fresh word, right? A revelatory word. Give, give, me, give, me, give me a rhema word, now a now word. So, a word I could speak to your people that will blow their minds. And God, give, give me a word for them. And this week was no difference. I was doing the same thing. And the Lord literally reminded me He said, Whoa, well, whoa, well, my love for you should never get old to you. What I've done for you is revelatory every single time you hear it. Because hopefully, every time you hear it, you receive a new understanding about it because it's incredible. He said this, he said, people need to be reminded of my love for them, constantly reminded of what I've done for them because they are constantly being told what they haven't done for me and what they've done against me. See, the enemy is a liar. The Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren, that he's constantly accusing you and making accusations against you of what you've not been able to do, what you've not been able to live up up to. This is is what he does. So God was like, man, you got to remind them how much I love them. You know, I think too often we box God in because of our lack of understanding. Because of it. And this is the conundrum that humanity faces all the time is this lack of understanding who God is. And this is why it's a conundrum. So, So the Bible says that the depths of his understanding, no man can fathom it. Right, we we can't even fathom, right? Because he does exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask, think, or imagine. Right? So so this is this is the, the the push and pull that we're constantly stuck in the middle of. And so often, because this is where we are, we think in terms of compare and contrast. This versus that, right? This concept versus that concept. This theology versus that theology. This ideology versus that ide- ideology. We're always doing this compare and contrast in this versus that scenario. And not that that's always entirely wrong. I think at times it's really good so that you can, you can weigh what people are saying, right? So, so that's, that's fine. But when it comes to the things of God, our lack right, of sight, right? Our short-sightedness is because of our lack of understanding and our lack of sight. So this is why Jesus tells us, he says, look, listen, listen, pray for ears to hear what the spirit is saying. Pray for eyes to see so that you don't get lost in all the this versus that tit versus tat kind of stuff. You know, if we approach the things of God in that type of a manner from a humanistic line of sight, we completely miss what the spirit is trying to do in us in the times that we find ourselves in. God's constantly saying, behold, I'm doing a new thing. And unless we have eyes to see it and ears to hear it, we'll we'll, we'll miss it and we won't understand it. But see, because this is how we approach the things of God, this verse verse is that thing. We find ourselves in theological debates all the time. This is why denominations are birthed, because it's all a theological debate, every bit of it. And so it's divided the church. It's divided the body of Christ. It's what it's done, period. It is what it is. That's why I'm nodding on. No, I'm just kidding. It's not (laughs) why. It's not why. But it has. It's, It's divided the church because of our lack of understanding of who he is. And so we're caught in this push and pull, faith versus works, debates over grace versus sacrifice, love versus trials, love versus discipline. But you see, in the kingdom, these things aren't versus one another. They're not not competing against one another in the kingdom of God. Instead, the one empowers us to do the other. They feed off of one another. See, our faith in Christ should cause us and empower us to do the works that God has called us to do. The grace that God has extended to each and every one of us through his son, Jesus, Should empower us to sacrifice our own wants, our own desires, even our own lives, in order to follow Him and follow Him well. This is what grace does. This is this is what faith does. And the love now that we have in Christ Jesus, this love that nothing can separate us from, neither height nor death, nor things present, nor things to come, no demon, no nothing can separate us from the love of God. This love should should cause us to be able to walk through every trial in this life with our head held high. Because we've experienced the power of his love. And we're like, come hell or high water, I'm coming after you. I want you. I don't care about the trial. I don't care what the the devil throws at me. I don't care how how much my flesh fights me. I'm coming after you, Jesus. Because I've experienced this, this love, this incredible love. And I don't wanna miss any of it. I want all of it. See, his love will give us this mentality of, of, I will rejoice in trials of many kinds because I know that the testing of my faith produces perseverance and I must allow perseverance to have its full work so that I may be perfectly complete, lacking nothing in my walk with him. See, it's, it's not one versus the other. It's the one will empower us to do the other. God has never been either or like us. See, we're either or. We're either this or we're that. This is how we 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 describe ourselves. We're this or that. God isn't either or. God is both and, and more. Love, God is love. God is gracious, but he also tests us. There is testing. There is disciplining. There's a a pruning process that happens in our lives. He does require us to walk by faith and not by sight. Why? Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. This is the gospel. This is what it is. You and I will go through trials of many kinds to follow Jesus. We'll be disciplined by him the entire way. Amen. But, but here's the thing, right? If, if we don't understand the power of his love, this love that he has lavished upon us that we should be called children of the most high God. If we don't understand it, we'll never be able to lay our lives down for it. Never be able to give him everything in our lives. But yet this is exactly what he requires of you. Exactly what he requires of me. If we desire to inherit eternal Life. This is the requirements. You know, in John chapter three, verse 16 and 17, right? we, we all know this verse. It's a well-known verse because we see it on signs on college game day. Praise the Lord. We see it on athlete's shoes. They write it on there, even on their face, right? So like we've seen it. And, and this is what it says. It says, for God so loved. For he so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son." so that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but in order to save it through him. This is this incredible love, this this reckless love of God, that that God loves the world so much that you're so loved that he decided to pour out his wrath upon his son for you. I want you to think about it. Isaiah 53 says it this way. It was the will of the father to crush his own son. Man. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this. For our sake, God made his son to become sin. He who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God for our sake and our belief of him. 1 Thessalonians, Paul, Paul puts it this way. He says, you were not created for wrath. You were created for salvation. And so God chose to pour his wrath out on his son so that you could experience his unfailing love instead of judgment. See, we deserve judgment. We got grace. God poured it out on Jesus because of his love for us. This is the power, the power of God's love. Gave up his only begotten son, his one and only son, the treasure of heaven, the darling of heaven so that you and I could be made right with him once again. Because here's the truth. The reality is without Christ, we're not good enough. We're not good enough. Without Christ, we're not holy enough. Without Christ, we're not perfect enough. Without Christ, the Bible calls us enemies of God. Think about that. Without Christ, we're considered to be an enemy of God. This is why when people say we're all God's children, that's actually not biblically true. The Bible says something different. It says those that have given and accepted, believed and received in Christ, now we are called children of God. But with Christ, with Christ, we are perfect as he is perfect. This is what the Bible says. With Christ, we are holy as he is Is holy. We are without sin, spotless, one without blemish because of the blood of Christ has covered us. With Christ, we we, we go from being enemies of God to friends of God. And this is what the gospel is. This is the gospel. This extravagant and powerful love that makes us righteous before the king and that promises us eternal life, if we believe and receive. See, the gospel isn't name it, claim it, but it is believe it and receive it. Name it, claim it puts the power on me, but believe it and receive it puts it all back on him. Lord, I believe it and I receive whatever it is you wanna do. And see, we have to believe that that this powerful love is for us. And we must receive it. So that it, it keeps us walking this life out for him. See, see, God gave, right? For God so, so loved the world that he gave. God gave to show his love for us. And so our response back is to give him our lives. To surrender it to him. You know, I was thinking about something. I was thinking about how people, how people will kill for lust. But people will die for love. That the people will kill for religion, but people die for relationship. See, people take out of a selfish ambition, but we give out of selfless devotion. This is the gospel. It's what the gospel is. In Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 5, are you guys with me? I hope you're just paying attention and you're not checking out because you're really silent. Usually I know I'm preaching really good when you guys are like. No, I really don't know. Because <laughs> looking at you, I can't tell. Praise the Lord. Like, are they looking at the lights? Like what's happening? In Romans chapter five, starting in verse five, Paul says this, he says, the love of God has been poured out within our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Amen. For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for us. He died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous person, though perhaps for the good person, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his love towards us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. It's an incredible love. See, his love for us has to cause us to give our lives fully over to him. Fully over to him, because this is what I find to be really interesting. So that is Romans five, but you can't have Romans five without Romans one. See, God is not either or. He's not either Romans 1 or Romans 5. He's both and more. But you gotta have Romans 1 before we get to Romans 5. See, in Romans chapter 1, Paul opens up this letter. He's warning the people of God. He's writing it to the church in Rome. He warns them against sin. He warns them. And he begins to tell them this. Look, yes, God is love. It's so true. It's amazing how loving he is. But because he's love, he also judges people according to sin. Because he loves, he he judges. And he begins to issue these warnings, right? These warnings. He says, throughout human history, the fingerprint of God has been on humanity. This is what he says. I'm obviously paraphrasing. You can go back and read it. Check me on it. But this is what he says. He said, God has placed eternity in the hearts of men so that men and women will have no excuse when the end comes. Well, I didn't hear the gospel. I didn't know, no, no, no. It's been put in your heart, the Bible says. It's been placed there by God with the fingerprint of God. He says, because men though didn't regard God, didn't honor him and live their life for him and love him, because they didn't do that, he turned them over to their own sinful desires. And the people began to exchange love for lust, truth for falsehoods, They began to worship creation instead of worshiping the creator. He says, women exchanged natural relationships with men and started to be with other women. Men did the same thing. They left natural relationships which God ordered from the beginning of time. This is Romans one. And they begin to go and and lay with other men. This is what they have, have done People have been sexually immoral, having sex outside of the, the covenant of marriage. And he says, look, people then were filled with all types of unrighteousness, greed, envy, jealousy, boastfulness, arrogance, murder, strife, and they begin to slander one another. And he says, and all those who live this way will receive their penalty in full because of their choices not to follow after God. Paul starts off this amazing chapter of Romans, which is a beautiful, beautiful chapter, beautiful book, warning us all against sin. See, because I think a lot of times we don't understand the power of love, of God's love. We try to make concession for sin. We try to be like, it's, it's cool. It's fine. We try to figure out ways to navigate around it to make ourselves okay with it. But see, you can't have chapter five without chapter one. God isn't either or. These two things are not conflicting. These things are, are, are supposed to encourage and empower each other. Just because God tells us how to love doesn't make him less loving. Just because he tells us how to live, it doesn't make him less gracious. And I've got to be honest with you, when I was reading Romans 1, man, it felt like, it literally felt like Paul was writing to the church of today, issuing stark warnings to the church of today, which makes sense because the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. People do what they do and God tries to reveal to them his love to pull them out of it. But some come out, some choose him, some, some don't. But it sounds like Paul is addressing, addressing us. We see so many of these things being happening in, in churches. And then churches trying to navigate around and create concessions for it. Like "ah, God's love, it's cool, no problem. He's gracious, but that's not the gospel. That's not it. See, the church is not supposed to make concession for sin. They're supposed to address sin and then give the remedy for it, which is the power by the blood of Jesus Christ, the power of love from God himself. We don't gotta make concessions. Man, we just gotta believe and receive and allow people to see it in us and help them walk it out. See, the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God every single one of us, every one of us. And God's not okay with any of it. He's so not okay with sin that he, that he killed his only son. Think about that, that's how unokay. I'm not sure if that's right language, but or literature for whatever you say, praise the Lord. It's not good sound English, but, or American. American. My wife told me one time, she said, that's not a language. American is not a language, honey. I'm like, oh, I thought it was. Hey. <laughs> but this is how unokay I'm gonna stick with it, <laughs> that God is with sin. It's how un-okay he is. This is why he sent his son, so that we can be free from it. So we don't be, so that we're not tangled up in sin. See, see the gospel displays the power of God's love. And it's the very power unto salvation. This is what Paul says. And you and I cannot be ashamed of the gospel that has saved our soul. Ashamed of the one who has called us to live a righteous life and created a way when there seemed to be no way for us to live that life. God never asks or requires anything from us unless he gives us everything we need to achieve it. You know, there's been a, many, many different occasions in my life when I found myself in sin, tangled up in in sins of this life. And can I tell you, I'm so grateful that the grace of God, the love of God revealed those things to me, that it showed them to me. And he did it because he loves me, not because he was trying to hurt me or offend me or wasn't trying to do any of that. He was trying to show his love towards me. See, the power of of God's love has called me once again to live free from sin. This is why the Bible says that a righteous man falls seven times, that a righteous woman falls seven times, but every time they can get back up again, this is the power of his love towards us. See, God revealing sin and God disciplining us and telling us what sin is and how to live this life doesn't make him less loving, it makes him all loving. You know, I think a lot of times we think we're helping people by not addressing things in their life and we're actually hurting them. We enable them. You know, when I was a, a heroin addict, for years, my mom and them, they, they thought, and my dad, they thought they were doing the right thing, just continuing to help me. But man, I needed to hit rock bottom so that I realized the errors of my ways. A lot of times we can enable people to stay right in their stint instead of saying, hey, look, Again, not condemning, condemnation's not from God. Encouraging, hey, there's a better way. There's a better way. And by saying this, by saying we cannot live free from sin, we're saying God's love isn't powerful enough. God's love isn't enough. What Christ did on the cross at Calvary isn't enough. There's been times in my life when I thought there was no way to get free from a certain sin. And the whole time God was saying, no, you're saying what I did for you on the cross wasn't enough for you. you. You need me to do something more. And it's just not true. See, I'm, I'm here today, right? Standing here today. Not because I've figured out how to navigate, how to live a better life, like to, to look better, to sound better. No, no, no. I'm here today because God saved me. He redeemed me. He rescued me. He's reconciled me by the power of his love, not by my own doing, lest any man should boast. And I really felt like today, man, that that God wanted to remind us of what the gospel is, what it is. Because if we know what it is, this is when we get to stand and say, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. God disciplines those he loves, church. We don't have to accept sin. We don't have to continue to live in sin. We don't got to make concessions for it. God's already conquered it. The Bible says, Jesus says on the cross, it is finished. Now walk in the victory that I have supplied for you. We just have to believe it, receive it, and walk in it. This powerful love that causes us to walk free from the sin that so easily entangles us. You know, the apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says it really, really well. Go figure, it's in the Bible. But he says it well. He says, for the love of Christ compels us. Some versions, some translations say that the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all so that those who live would no longer live for themselves, but would live for him, the one who died and rose Again, we need the power of the love of Christ to control us to compel us to go after him with a reckless abandonment You know, the Bible is clear. It says that we're a slave to something We're either a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness, but we're a slave We're controlled by something we can either be controlled by God or by the things of this world by our flesh or by the spirit And hear me hear me this love cannot be earned God's love, it's not like we do all these things that I just talked about, living free from sin and and denying ourselves, picking up our cross. To earn love, we, we can't earn the love, but his love has to be displayed. We can't earn it, but we display it to the world on how we live our lives. We don't fight against sin. We don't do those things to somehow earn God's love. We are fighting from love, not for love. Amen. Amen. For for God so loved, he so loved the world that he gave his only son. So that whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but rather that the world would be saved through him. They love that. We love that. I love that. But you gotta pick up verses 18 and 19. You can't just take 16 and build your whole theology off of 16. There's a 17, there's an 18, there's a 19 right after it. That gives us the full picture. And verses 18 and 19, it goes on to say, whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. And this is the verdict. This is what the apostle John wrote. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. People love darkness more than light. Love themselves more than God. This is why we have to have the love of Christ, the power of love of Christ to compel us to live for Him. We can't be the type of people that choose to live in a way that is contrary to the things of God. You know, the Lord gave me this entire message off that one statement, all these things must happen in Luke 21 and Matthew 24. All these things must happen. And what he was saying to me was this, all the warnings, all the things I'm trying to tell people is to show them that it's about time for my coming. And because I wish for not one to perish, but for all to come to repentance so they can have eternal life. I give them all the signs of the time so that they can beware, so that they can have another opportunity to receive the power of my love. If you read in Revelation, man, it's wild. It's a wild book. We may go into that next here soon over the next several weeks, but I'm still praying through that because it's a tough one to tackle. But multiple different times, God sends his word again, tries to display his love again, You see angels flying in the sky, preaching the gospel in revelation. That's gonna happen. There'll be literal angels preaching the gospel, but because people loved evil, they try to kill the angels. Then he sends two messengers again to say, guys, repent, receive this powerful love that I've poured out for you on the cross at Calvary. And they kill the two messengers. But God is so loving that he continues to try to bring us all to repentance. This is what the gospel is. The love of Christ compelling us to live this life solely for Him. Come on and stand to your feet, please. So the question that we all have to answer for ourselves is, have we chose to receive and believe? Have we personally chose to receive Christ and believe in the power of his love for us. That we can walk in this life free from all the entanglements that it tries to throw at us. We can do it because God said it. Because he said it. Every head bowed. Every very closed, please. You know, maybe you're here today and you've never given your heart to Christ before. we want to make sure you have that opportunity to receive the gospel to believe the gospel or maybe you're here and yeah you've given your heart to Christ but you're having trouble walking free from certain things in this life free from fear free from depression free from anxiety free from certain sins addictions I believe today that the power of God's love is going to compel you to live for Him and to walk free from sin. And so we're going to open up the altars. The worship team's going to lead a song. I want to give you time to come and pray. Because I'm believing that as we step out and we receive it, that we're going to know it. And God is going to fill us in a powerful way today. And so, Lord, I ask right now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would draw people to yourself, Jesus, we lift you up for when you be lifted up you will draw all men and all women into yourself, I pray that right now by your spirit you're drawing people, you're drawing people, that the power of your love is setting people free right now I pray that over each and every person here and those online God, are right now the power of your love is flooding their hearts and minds in Jesus mighty name come on, these altars are open